it's one of the top three motives for murder. There was a knife there on the counter, and I took the knife, and I just went at it. Jealousy. Cliff Ewens knows all about it. He murdered his girlfriend in the most brutal, personal way. How many times did you stab her? About 39. Cliff isn't some deranged monster from Elm Street. He was in show business. I knew I'd already done something really wrong. I was just thinking, I need to end this. Cliff's descent from idol to inmate is quite incredible. I'm Candace DeLong, retired FBI agent and former psychiatric nurse and host of Facing Evil on Investigation Discovery. I've seen bad things and met bad people. My job means I've sat across the table from killers more times than I care to remember and looked them in the eye. Do I see evil? Sometimes. More often, I see people. People who find themselves in situations they cannot control. Is Cliff Ewens evil? You decide. Cliff, the name of this show is Facing Evil. Now, what evil have you faced in your life? Myself. We all have degrees of anger that we can go to. And unfortunately, I found that I went to the worst you could have. I'm talking to Cliff on a telephone, but he's only three feet from me. He's behind security glass, but I'm used to this setup. Quite frankly, I prefer it sometimes if the offender has a violent history. You just never know. But this visit is different. I don't feel at all threatened or in danger from Cliff. He's in his early 60s now and in good shape. 30 years behind bars doesn't seem to show on his face. Cliff is humble, almost gentle, which just makes his heinous crime all the more puzzling. What was your childhood like? Wonderful, wonderful. No problems? No problems. Great parents, pampered. There mm -hmm. were three of us. I have an older brother, I have a sister. And you were close? Very close. I used to be her doll, and she would dress me up mm -hmm. and telling me I was Cinderella, and she thought that was real funny, and I used to think, this is absurd, you know? <laughs> but uh, who knows? She may have started me on my drag career very, very early on. <laughs> That's right. Cliff would become a drag queen. Cliff says he knew he was different at the age of five. Then a family tragedy struck when his sister is killed in a car accident. Do you recall how you felt? It was a loss to me. I think what affected me more was my mother because that was the only girl in the family and it, it, uh, it changed my mother forever. She was devastated by it, mm -hmm. you know, devastated by it. And I had to watch her go through that. Although Cliff suffers this tragic loss, he's lucky enough to have parents who love him deeply. And this will prove very useful because as Cliff gets older, he realizes 
he's bisexual. In 1960s Texas, that doesn't play too well. But with his parents' support, he pursues a growing passion to be an entertainer on the stage. Though not as a man, as a woman. What did you want from life? What did you see yourself doing? Showbiz, showbiz, showbiz. That's it. From the get-go. How old were you when you realized you wanted to be an entertainer? 11, 12, you know, little community theater stuff like that. Always playing dress-up. Was always fascinated with makeup. Not just drag makeup, but theatrical makeup. You know, always experimenting with the latex and the, the disguises. Mm -hmm. I always loved that. Always being able to hide behind the, the different characters. Cliff lights up when he talks about his glory days. He still has show business running through his veins. It's written all over his face. I can tell this was his calling. What did dressing in drag do for you? You didn't just dress in drag, you performed mm. as a woman. Getting in drag for me was an empowering thing. I could walk into a room as myself and people wouldn't notice me. If I was in drag, I was beautiful and I could stop traffic. So doors would open, I'd get all that extra attention. I'm sure you've seen the pictures. Cliff was beautiful as a woman. His most famous character was Brandy West. She looked like a fusion of Cher and Barbara Streisand with high cheekbones and a sultry smile. Just to be clear, Cliff isn't transgender. He's happy to be a man who likes to dress as a woman. He has a sexual attraction to both men and women. But the most interesting thing for me is what Cliff's drag character does for him. She gives him something he cannot have as Cliff. Brandy West gives him power. There are many forms of power, physical, sexual, intellectual, all the way down to brute intimidation and bullying. Some of it's healthy, some of it isn't, but it's something we all pursue because it ultimately gives us some sort of control in our lives. Studies show the more control we feel we have in our lives, the happier we are. As for Cliff, dressing in drag as Brandy West gives him all the control in the world. I used to have loved to go to the straight clubs just to get the attention because I could just create a star and it was, it was an empowering feeling. And I used to think it was really funny. I was like on an inside joke because they didn't know what was going on, but mm -hmm. I did. So it was kind of like wearing a mask? Definitely, most definitely a mask. Well, the thing about wearing a mask is it's two-sided. You're hiding behind the mask, the real you, but you're also presenting someone different oh, yes. on the outside of the mask. Did you feel both of those things? Oh yes, definitely. It was an empowering feeling. When we're good at something, we feel fantastic. That's because 
we are in control. It's what drives the great entrepreneurs in our society and explains why many of them are control freaks. They need to keep a hold of that steering wheel to feel good. But like any human trait, there is a dark side. In reality, we can't all be in control all the time. People don't work that way. Particularly in relationships, we need to get out of the driver's seat sometimes and let others have a turn. Seems Cliff has a problem with that part. His first serious relationship is with a man. I'll call Jimmy. Can you describe the relationship looking back in, in one or two words? Roller coaster. Roller coaster. Because he was having to live in my limelight. It was very hard on him. And I was probably very hard to live with because. In what way were you hard to live with? I was becoming famous. Everybody was backstage. Everyone, everybody wanted to hang with me, be near me. And it was very hard. And I was probably becoming a little obnoxious, egotistical. Were you having arguments? Mm-hmm. Every time he left, I would find him. He would go hide because he knew if I got near him and I talked to him and I turned on the charm, he was back. He was back that night. If I could get to him, he was going to be back. If you could get to him, you could get to him. I could get to him. Cliff wants everything on his terms. He wants the same power he has on stage at home in his relationships. But that is never going to happen. An adoring crowd is not the same as an adoring partner. Relationships take work. And here's the news. It involves two people's wants and needs, not one. But Cliff hasn't figured that out yet. Instead, he moves on to another relationship, this time with a woman, a young beauty named Patrice LeBlanc. How old was Patrice when you met her? I think 20. And you were? 31. 31, so that's a bit of an age yeah. difference. Was she your first serious relationship with a woman? I mean, serious. Yes. Move in, I love you, De serious. Definitely. But my understanding is she had a problem with you dressing up in drag and performing in drag. I mean, when she first met me, that was one of the things she liked, mm -hmm. and it was fun. When we became lovers, I think it was a little harder for her to take. She didn't mind the shows, but she liked me to be out of drag afterwards. For someone like Cliff, this sort of behavior can be a challenge. Patrice is wanting her own power in the relationship. She's not asking him to give up the career he loves, but she is laying down some ground rules. In a healthy relationship, this is normal. We compromise with love and mutual respect. We each give a little. But this is new territory for Cliff. And when Patrice becomes pregnant, the power dynamics shift even further. I'm 32. I'm ready to settle down. I was ready to do anything because I was just happy. This is like the, the ice cream on the cake. She was not. I think she was ambivalent about settling down. She was probably ambivalent about, am I the person she really wants to settle down with? I mean, I'm just being truthful. 
Did Patrice want to terminate the pregnancy? Yeah. All throughout, I said, it's your decision. This is not my decision. I have to give Cliff his due. If he's telling me the truth, he does seem to be giving up some control here. He does not object when Patrice wants to terminate her pregnancy. But unfortunately, Cliff's hands can't stay off the wheel for too long. When Patrice is offered a new, high-paying job as a secretary, Cliff becomes convinced the new role has strings attached. He puts his foot down. We started the argument about going to work for this guy, and I was going, nobody is going to pay you that kind of money when you can't type, you know nothing, you've never been a secretary, so something fishy, you're not going to do so that. So you suspected something was yes. up. I was extremely jealous. With my lovers, I've always been You've very, always been jealous. Very jealous, very possessive. Were you got, shouting at each other? Got loud, got loud. I said something, she slapped me. I slapped her. She said, oh no, you, we're, we're not doing this, we're not doing, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. She went into the other room, started packing. There was a knife there on the counter from where we'd been eating some fruit earlier, and I took the knife and I just went at it. What do you think happened that resulted in you picking up that knife? I guess the old, if I can't have you, nobody will. There's nothing to blame for. There's no drugs. There's no alcohol. There's nothing to blame for but me. Your temper? My temper, my ego. It takes a lot to admit something like this. Many killers I talk to have an excuse, a reason they use to justify their actions to themselves. It's a natural instinct to try to make sense of your bad behavior in the hope others won't judge you as harshly. Not Cliff. He is bearing his soul. How many times did you stab her? About 39. What was that all about? You know, after I started, I wanted to end it. I knew I'd already done something really wrong, and I kept thinking, I want, I want this over. And the whole time, I'm thinking, you know what you're doing? You've ended your life. I remember doing it at the same time thinking, you know you're gonna get the death penalty for this. Those thoughts went through your head. Right during it, I'm thinking that. Thinking my whole life was over right there. What made you stop stabbing her? I guess I felt, I, I remember her falling to the ground and just thinking, well, there, there you go, you've done it now. You, are you proud of yourself? Are you proud of yourself? Do you remember how you felt when it really hit you that she was dead? What have I done? What have I done? If I said that one time, I said it probably 200 times. And then realized, oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to try to cover this up. That's the side of me I'm most disgusted with. Were you frightened? Of course. But then, of course, it's like, oh, I can, I can get away with this. Cliff 
drives Patrice's body to his parents' vacation home on Lake Livingston, just north of Houston. I already picked up some cement blocks that were by the dumpster and got some chain from my parents' lake house. Took her out on the boat and dumped the body, thinking it'd never be seen again. Then he starts the cover-up. It's amazing how quickly people are missed. The everyday reach-outs from family and friends, they seem so mundane in normal circumstances. But when you've killed someone and you're lying through your teeth, each inquiry makes you more and more nervous. People would call, she's not here, she's gone to the store. And her parents started calling, haven't seen her. She packed up making up excuses, excuses. I was just wondering how long till I get caught. I just, I, I knew I'd get caught. And at the same time, part of me is thinking, oh, well, you can get away with this. Cliff is running on animal instinct. Whatever regret he has, the fear of getting caught overrides it. Even the most remorseful killers don't usually turn themselves in. They hold on to the hope that somehow they'll get away with it. They rarely do. Patrice's body floats to the surface a few weeks later, and Cliff's story about her going away looks extremely suspicious. Cliff's mother turns to her son, the young man who had brought her so much joy. Mothers always know mm -hmm. something. One morning, 3 a.m., I was in the kitchen, and she came in, says, what are you doing? I said, I can't sleep. And she goes, do we need to talk? And I went, no, we don't need to talk. She goes, are you sure? And she goes, Cliff, did you do this? And I'm like, no, hell no, no, mm -hmm. no. Cliff pleads innocence to everybody. Even when the police discover Patrice is wrapped in his bathrobe, that he pawned her jewelry and replaced the carpet in their apartment. Cliff even pleads innocent in court after he is found guilty of murder and sentenced to life. It's as if he's doing another stage act. He wants the world to see a different character, a life he could control. Then, after seven years behind bars, the mask finally falls and Cliff confesses the truth to a fellow inmate. You denied it for seven years and then you admitted it. That's uncommon. You can only eat at you so long. You want to start forgiving yourself because that's where it starts with forgiving yourself, but you can't forgive yourself if you're lying to everybody. I want you to imagine that I am Patrice. What would you like to say to me? I am so sorry. I took everything you gave me and threw it away. Because when your life ended, so did mine. I want you to imagine that I'm 
Patrice's family, what would you like to say? I cannot ask you for forgiveness because there is no forgiveness when you take somebody from somebody like that. I carry hurt in me every day as much for you as I do my family and everybody else. I start my day with it and I end my day with it because that's why I'm here. And if you haven't learned after 28 years, you're never going to learn. Cliff Ewens has learned to relinquish control. It's a crying shame that it took the life of an innocent young woman and 28 years in prison to do it. That's why I talk to people like Cliff, so we can all see the warning signs in our own lives or the lives of our friends and family. The human mind is a beautiful and complex thing. It's capable of great achievement and great destruction. The more we listen to stories like Cliff's, the more damage we can avoid. Look into your soul with every action that you do, because for every action, there is a reaction, and you will pay for it every day for the rest of your life. Next on Facing Evil. So I lit paper, and I sat back, and it went up so fast. It's one of the most shocking crimes I've ever researched. And I said, my God, the house is on fire. Come help me, help me get the kids out. That's next on Facing Evil. For Beyond Productions, the producers are Sue McGregor and Jeff Fitzpatrick. For Investigation Discovery, the producers are Pamela Deutsch and Sarah Kozak. Kevin Bennett is the general manager, and Henry Schleif is the network president. I'm Candace DeLong.